You're listening to The Patriot Cause with Bud Cornwall, United States Marine Corps, retired standing guard on the wall of freedom. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land, we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. The price for this freedom at times has been high, but we have never been unwilling to pay that price. Welcome back, Patriots. I have another awesome veteran that has did his time for this great nation. His name is David Ormsby, and he lives in the great state of Arkansas, which is dear to my heart because I was part of the Convention of States and became the state director in Arkansas. And after many years, six to be exact, we finally passed the Convention of States in Arkansas. And now David is part of that absolute grassroots standing up. He was a lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Air Force. So I am so thankful. We are so thankful that he is joining the Patriot Cause today. So welcome, David, to the Patriot Cause. Thank you. It's an amazing event uh, for me doing this, you know, communication world, as I call it, and being able to talk to federal or not federal employees, per se, but people that were in the federal system that, you know, that witnessed and been part of, whether it's the military or DOD or, you know, any of those that have a eye-opening experience and understanding that our country is not what it used to be. The government is not what it used to be. It's not for of the people anymore. It's more of heading towards a tyranny type of structure. And we're standing up as veterans to, to fight this cause of getting our country back to where people can just not worry about whether the federal government's gonna take their land or make them buy health insurance, any of that stuff. And the military, like Dave and I, we fought for the right of the Bill of Rights and the constitution. We didn't fight for the federal government. We fought for the people and the constitution. And that's why we're standing up today in working with the Convention of States so that we can rein in this federal government and go back to what America is supposed to be about the people instead of about the government. So David, uh, how did you get involved? Because all of us in the Convention of States, we have a story. We have a, a moment in our lives where we were introduced to Convention of States and what sunk into your heart to say, you know what, this is right. This is something I need to part, be part of. It took me basically about a month to really kind of iron things out because I was worried that, you know, it was a radical movement or whatever. So how did you get involved in the Convention of States? Well, in a lot of ways, I was 
I'm kind of a not too serious history buff. And one of the things that I did uh, in my younger life as I led, read a lot of the books about World War II, and one of the things that struck me as unique and may very well apply in this country today is that somebody supposed that about 85 to 90% of the Germans opposed Hitler. Yes, sir. And, and the result was, despite the fact that they opposed him, he took over the country and basically anyway. you know, became the despot that he was. Um, the problem with that, folks, is we're getting there. Yes, sir. And, and it occurred to me at some point in time, and, and uh, I've always been a very private person. Uh, my wife and I, you know, we don't get around, we don't meet a lot of people, we don't get our nose stuck in other people's business. But it occurred to me that I better get up off my backside and go do something to try to solve this problem before the problem became unsolvable. Yes, sir. So that's why I that's why I'm here. Well, that is that's that is probably a 90% exact answer that the majority of the convention of states people are here. Is we're being pressured as human beings, specifically as Americans, by a government that thinks in their mind, per se, that they're in charge. Yeah, they have all these regulations and all these things or whatever, but they're really not in charge. The Constitution's in charge. So the fight that we're fighting is twofold. It's the uh, conceptual idea that Americans are, are realizing and understanding that. And the second thing is the fact that we have two options. We can do it peacefully or we can do it through force. Absolutely. And we don't need, seriously, we do not need to have any kind of force in this country to retake this government. I'm, I'm, I'm being very serious about that. It, there, there may become a time for that, but right now that is not that time. I'll give you an example. During the Civil War, the country was split. So you had the northernmost territories and the southern territories. They were, you know, uh, rescinded from basically the United States, and they wanted to create their own utopia. Same thing with the Northern. So they started fighting against each other. If we, if we start talking about war, it's not about us fighting each other anymore. It's going to be the whole country standing up against the government. That's a whole different way of looking at a... Uh, an armed conflict, per se. Of course, the government has a lot more assets than the American people do. And one of two things are going to happen. Either the government is going to see the, the wrongs in their eyes and say, you know, we, we need to listen to the people, or they're going to kill every freaking one of us with missiles and bombs and whatever else, which we don't ever want to happen. So the Convention of States is the logical way to move us forward into correcting our country because then the people have a way of adjusting the articles and the constitution 
that the forefathers put together, which, by the way, has loopholes. And those three things that we're talking about, the balanced budget, the uh, term limits, and the size of the federal government is loopholes that were not, should not have been precluded from the Constitution, but they were. And the founding fathers knew at certain points, just like the rest of us, that things were going to happen. So that's where we're at. Uh, I want to ask you, what is, how do you feel about what's going on in, you know, this country, whether it's politics or, you know, what is, what is impacting us as veterans, you know, from the, the woke military, which we know is happening, uh, this virus thing where, you know, they're trying to inject hundred percent military people with a, with a vaccine that's basically killing more active duty by giving the vaccine than the actual, you know, the medications or the actual uh, COVID disease that's coming down. So how do you feel about what's happening in America? Well, we have two or three problems that have occurred during your lifetime and mine. One is we have basically kicked Christianity out of our society. Yes, sir. And that has severely fragmented the society. Uh, believe it or not, there are a lot of young people today who do not profess to be Christians. They profess to be agnostics or some other thing. And the problem with that essentially is the idea that you have nothing to, uh, you have no foundation. The Bible, yes, whether you believe in God or not, gives us a, a rule or a foundation for living society. Uh, yep. And I've, I've said this for many, many years. I don't care whether you believe in God or not, but you need to because the Bible gives us that basis. I personally do. And I, I, I find it hard in many ways because of the, our life and the experiences we've had not, not to feel how anybody can not believe in God because God has put his hand in, in our business um, more times than I care to mention. And, you know, a lot of times I thought I wanted something and the door slammed. And later on, I said, thank you, God, for not getting me there. <laughs> but, but that's one of the things that's happened. And that in itself has caused a fragmentation in our society. And it's not all good. Uh, I, I, one of the things that bothered me as I left the service is I found I was raised by the military. And. The, the amazing thing was as a young airman and I, boy, I was a latch door kid when I was growing up. And, and when I joined the military, I was so green. You, you know, you should have painted me with chartreuse or something. But <laughs> when, I, when I think about something, I'd go to the sergeant and I'd say something and the answers I got were, were just incredible. Uh, and the thing that always impressed me when I was in the military was that the people that I served with were patriots mm -hmm. and they were kind of like uh, General MacArthur's uh, speech where he taught honor, duty, country. Yes. And these people were imbibed, if you please, with honor, duty, country. Uh, very late in my career, I found that that had changed to what I called 
lie, cheat, and steal. Mm. And I was, it, it really upset me. Um, so we become part of this process for Convention of States in a manner to get our country back to we the people. And if people are not prepared to do that, then the outcome is not going to be good. So that's, wh that's why I'm here. Um, you know, I don't know that my voice on it by itself is of any consequence, but as a part of a larger group, hopefully it will become part of a consequence. No, absolutely. Uh, the, the thing, this is what I tell people. You can sit on the couch, eat bonbons and watch CNN, right? Or you can actually do something. And some people do more than others, and, and that's understandable. But when you have millions of people doing something, that's, that's where the difference is. And that's why you're here, David. You're, yes, you're doing exactly what we need to do. This message is going out to, you know, probably thousands of people um, tonight or the, you know, next day when I get it all put together. But the, the point I'm making is, is if, if all of us, especially veterans, which I don't know how you feel about this, David, but I, I'm absolutely confused. We should have millions. There's 10 million veterans in this country. Not, I'm not talking about the active duty. Either they're a veteran or been, yep. Why are we not walking in the streets like the Australians or walking in, many in the streets? cases, people just don't know. And, and that's that's been my problem. I've been part of this. I live up in Northwest Arkansas. And of course, uh, I've probably gone to all the VFWs and DAVs and right. sure. legions and around here. And, and uh, I, you know, Rod Huckleberry. I do. Uh, and yeah. we, we have our veterans meetings bi-weekly. Uh, and the guy from Tennessee, and I forget his name, but, but he uh, basically has gotten all of his district captains to try to come up with a military representative. And, and this is my, this is what I'm hoping to do in Arkansas. It, it's not working so well at this point in time. But if we could get each district captain with a military representative who, who beats a path to the doors of the VFWs and the DAVs and the American Legion and the Purple Hearts, and Lord, there's a, there's a whole bunch of different military communities and get the word to these people, uh, at least we will, we will get we've done what we can to right. to educate them my problem is you go somewhere and talk to somebody and you say ever heard of convention states no well i said you need to look at it you really need to look at it and and you know i don't want to draw a conclusion for you i want you to go there and look at it and Make draw your mind. own conclusions yep. absolutely you know? and i don't see how anybody can look at it and not come to the conclusion that what we're doing is needed. Yes, absolutely. And, it, and the part you're talking about where the country's le leaving by the groves, God. It's, just, it's really that simple. You see the numbers. I do the research online all the time. Uh, by the way, I'm also a minister. <laughs> just in case you didn't know that. I, was I a, did not know that. 
Yep. I was a pastor in Missouri for a, a, uh, about a year and we, we just lived too, too far away from our kids. So I had to, uh, we had to move closer to our kids. So that's why I'm in Alabama. But here's the thing. Think about this. The Israelites, God has done so much for that country, for that nation. He created that nation for the purpose, even for today. But yet, throughout their history, over and over again, they would leave God. And they would celebrate their idols. And then God said, okay, enough of you have left. Now I'm going to show you who God is. I'm going to send you to Babylon. I'm, you know, all that kind of stuff. But what a lot of people don't realize is idolatry is not just looking at a statue or praying to some God that's, you know, made out of wood. Idolatry is all of this stuff, this whole concept, this whole community of sin that they're, they don't want to turn to. That ideology is transferring. Think about what I'm telling you. It's transferring into the political realm of our country. Yes. Because the political people want to get their votes. And the only way that they can, quote, get their votes is to change laws or whatever it is associated with them. And therefore, it's it's making the issue a lot worse, if that makes any sense. And And so getting America back to the basic foundation has to start with God. True. But, you know, the thing, the, the, the America is truly unique in many ways from any country in the world. Uh, other countries have done a pretty good job, interestingly enough, in copying us. Yes, but, absolutely. But what has made America has been the individual responsibility and the cap capitalism, uh, if you carry, you know, uh, some people say that's a, that's a minus. It's not. It, capitalism no. has made America, America. Now, is capitalism all good? Absolutely not. But, you know, uh, just about anything we do has a downside to it. It's kind of like the Isaac Newton idea that for every force, there's an equal and opposite reaction or Reaction. A force the other direction, however you want to put it. Uh, and, and there's a lot of truth in that. And we really have to kind of get involved in, in looking at the goal and keeping our eyes on the goal and then go out there and, and achieve that goal. Oh, absolutely. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's strange how that people in our country today can grow up. And my daughter and her kids are an example of that. My daughter's an architect in Charlotte. I love her to death. She's my daughter. But she has been absolutely brainwashed by the college that she went to. She went through six years of college in UNC Charlotte. And that is that when she came out of there, that is not the person that I raised. They absolutely destroyed her fundamental basis of what it means to be a human being. 
And as long as Americans are fat, dumb, and happy, and you know what I'm talking about, uh, unfortunately, I mean, fortunately, we have a great country, right? We have the ability. Every person, and that's the thing, when you're talking about a sovereign God, he give all of us abilities to do something. And it's always something good. Yes. What happens is, is when a person going through life doesn't want to work to do something good, to improve themselves, improve their communities, improve their situations. So we have what we have is we have, like you're talking about this divide, right? We have people like you and I, my grandparents, or my parents per se, my grandparents are gone, but my parents that have lived through turmoils and had to, you know, be reaffirmed that your destiny is based upon you and not what some government tells you. But there's so many people in this country. Uh, I would say probably about 40% of the population of this country, working class, higher ups, are the individuals that think they think that these people that are running the country know what's best for that that's wrong you know what's best for you uh, and that's the fight that we're fighting what we're doing is we're changed we're trying to get the political system and the uh religious specifically the christian system back in order to where we can go back to having exactly what God presented in this country. Now, there's a third part to this, David, and that's the new world order. That's the politicians are now connected, which we know, with the world and all the world leaders. And if it was left up to the world leaders, which, by the way, the majority of them are far left, the majority of the leaders of the world, the people that have the power, they're either communists or they're far left. And that's the struggle. We're actually fighting against Satan and this global world that's being put together. But in the meantime, we still have to stand up as Americans and try to do what we can for our country. That's that's the only way I can put it. Um, as, a, as a military person, I was trained, and same with you, I was trained with combat veterans from World War II, from Vietnam, from Korea. And you think, I'm, you think for a second I'm going to let these people down? Absolutely not. I'll die first. I will absolutely defend my house, my family, my property to the end. And I'm not being facetious and saying it's the wrong thing. I believe that freedom is the most important thing that a human being has. It's that simple. So what do you think about um, your time in the military, compared to where you're at today 
and the differences, the changes that you went through. And so, so I guess if you were talking to other veterans that are in the military today, how can you get, how can we talk to them and say, you know, you need to look a little bit deeper and compare what freedom's real, what freedom really is and get back on track. Cause we got a, we got a lot of military people in this, in, in the world and the DOD leaders that are, they're directing these people in the wrong direction. I do military funerals and I have a lot of uh, interchange with young men who come out to these military funerals. Uh, some of them are, are reservists, some of them are guardsmen, some are active duty. Um, most all of them are very, very dedicated to this country. And a lot of them are concerned today because the military is not necessarily leading them the right direction as we speak. Uh, it's, it's troubling. You know, I'm, I'm too old to worry about it because <laughs> I may not be here tomorrow, but, but it's just a thought of the way things are, are trending at this time. Uh, some of those fine young men that come out and fold flags and present it to the next again are seriously considering leaving the military because yes, the military yes. is, is uh, telling them that, you know, they can't be patriotic and they can't, can't do the things that you would think a military man should be doing. Correct. correct. And that's troubling. Um, again, as I told you, I spent 23 years in the military. I, I, the tw I spent the first 21 years and I loved every minute of it. And of course it wasn't all uh, a bed of roses. I spent a tour in sure. Vietnam. Yeah. Um, I got to, to, to spend a time up in Thule, Greenland, which was a, a lovely spot in the world. Uh, but the military, you know, if you were a military man, you went where you were sent. Essential. Uh, you did essentially what the government told you to do. The, the good thing I find about the military today is that people appreciate them. And that was not something that was necessarily so when I was in. Um, when I came back from Vietnam, I actually got spit on in San Francisco walking through the, the, the air terminal trying to get somewhere but but that was that was the mood that the that people were in in those days the the uh, drug culture and so on and so forth so uh, the fact that the military is appreciated and I think I see things with this Ukraine thing that I think is is encouraging because if you look at that you find that a whole lot of the world is is dead set against war yep and I've said for years and years and years, war is the worst scenario yeah. that a person can imagine. It is the complete failure of uh, diplomacy. Yes, sir. So th the fact that people are against war, to me, is encouraging. Uh, I don't know where I go beyond that, but, but uh, you know, we need it. We need to protect our country and serve our country. And of course, I'm one of these people. I believe every young person ought to spend two years in the service of the country. I don't. I'm not saying that they had to be in the military. I'm just saying that I think that they should spend right. two right. years serving their country 
in some mass manner, whether it's Peace Corps, uh, some civilian conservation corps or something, something that, that, that basically commits them to their country. Yep. And the thing about it is going back to the Israelites again, you know, the Israelites were directed by God to have war against enemies in, in where they were at. And people say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would God want people to have war on other people? Because his vision, his view, his plan is not our plan. So I absolutely agree with you. War is a breakdown of diplomacy, especially in the environment that we live today. But if it comes natural to stop evil, pure evil, from growing in the globe, then it may be necessary. I agree. That's that's why we are in the military. Right. Because we have a great country, we have a great life, we have great freedom. And if it's taken from us, it's taken from us through evil. It's not taken from us through any good whatsoever. So that's, you know, that's that's why we're in the service is to really deter and fight evil. Now, other countries, and I guarantee you China, China don't have the book that we have. The whole conceptual idea of what's going on in China is just pure global power. As, as That's a great example. And it's really kind of, I don't know how you feel, David, but I think this is weird is back in the day, even during Reagan's time frame, when he you know, took the wall down in Berlin and so forth, I still always thought that Russia would be that big military powerhouse that would never go away. Now I'm realizing Russia is nothing more than a small giant. China is the big giant. They've already... I think if you were to be be walking a mile in, in a lot of the Chinese shoes, you'd find that they are not, you know, necessarily uh, in agreement with what their government is doing either. Sure, absolutely. We're, we're dealing with with a Chinese government that is essentially uh, committed to uh, supremacy of the world in many ways. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, but the thing about it is they, they have built that military and the equipment and the things that they have to the level, at, at least to the United States level, well, hands down, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, they're saying, well, the U.S. built this giant military or whatever, you know, starting from World War II. So think, think about that. Well, we didn't build the military for the, for the main purposes of, of doing what Putin is doing or doing what China wants to do with Taiwan. We built it to defend democracy, defend, to defend freedom. That's, that's the whole different concept than a lot of people don't understand. What's happening in the East is you have all these countries that used to be part of Russia, and I'm glad they're not. And now they're part of NATO and they're, they just keep pressuring and pressuring 
Russia. And I, I would be okay with the conceptual idea of NATO per se, if, if NATO's intent, original intent, which we thought it was, of protecting peace, democracy, and freedom. But NATO is now controlled by the tyrants, the dictators of those countries and here. And their conceptual idea of democracy and freedom across the board is not the same anymore. And I give you a great example of that. The very second, the very second that Russia crossed the border into the Ukraine, even though the Ukraine's not part of NATO, if what Putin is doing is evil, if it is, which I think it is, I think his intentions are wrong, then why in the world is not NATO just smashing the crap out of that? And I think the reason behind that is because their conceptual idea of what NATO is not what it was originally designed to be. It's a, it's a new world order type of atmosphere. You need to go back and look at, at what happened basically when Hitler took power. You know, the, the world essentially, as he grew in strength, attempted to appease him. And yeah, absolutely. And of course, yep. that's what brought Churchill to power. He said, no, this is, this is not working. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, he basically said, you know, you're going to stop where we are or, or we're going to try to you're, we're going to try to prevent you from expanding further. Uh, didn't work too well for Churchill, but it made him uh, in, in many sense a giant among statesmen. Yes. And of course, the young man that's in in the president of Ukraine right now might be called a giant among statesmen, simply from the fact that he says, "I'm going to stay here and fight with my people." Absolutely. And, you know, uh, so he's he's notched himself up to to a level where a lot of people admire him, and, and I'm I'm one of, I'm among those people. Yeah. Well, the thing about it is, is see, freedom is important. Absolutely. Freedom, freedom is a value of an individual being able to live their lives without being crushed by some type of democracy, dictatorship, whatever word you want to put on it, communism. That's a person's not free if they can't determine their own lives. The Ukrainians and fortunately, the developers the software developers that do our systems for cos actually live in the ukraine they're in kiev right now as we're speaking so i talk to them all the time and i pray for them. and they're still working and still doing the job even though bombs are falling all around them because they have courage they go you know what if if, if the building blows up tomorrow and i'm dead i don't care i'm, I'm free and uh, one of the developers was telling me the other day that you have civilians that are building Molotov cocktails, you know, and thousands and thousands of them. Right. Because the civilians don't, they, they can't get guns. The, the government doesn't have enough arms to give out to these people. Right. So you have a choice. And uh, I'd say about 30, 20 to 30% of the population of Ukraine, which by the way, I think is majority leftist, 
they beat feet it out of the country. Everybody else is still there and they will die to the last breath. They will die for that country. That's what freedom they is. They have been exposed to freedom. Exactly. And, yep. and if even though, and I think this is going to be, you know, a lot of people have alluded that Putin basically has stubbed his toe and that may very well be true. He may or may not take over the Ukraine, but I think that if, even if he does, he's, it's going to be a problem in his backside for a long time to come. Oh, yes, sir. This is the, uh, what is going on today is, is a lot more complicated than a lot of people understand. This is not just one country taking over another. There's a lot involved in this. It's, it's, it's not like the old days, you know, uh, like when America decided they want to get involved in Vietnam, their idea was we'll go over there, bomb a couple of places, kill a few people and fix everything, you know, uh, but that's, that didn't work out very well either. No, it didn't. <laughs> but, but the point I'm making is, is the, this stuff's a lot more complicated. So for instance, like Putin's a smart man, very smart man. He, he has the power and the ability to crush that country like that. He could have bombed Kiev to to let there wasn't another freaking rock standing, but he's smart. What he's doing is he's surrounding these cities. He's taking his forces and integrating them into it to to preserve the structure of the country. And he's doing what we call the old strategy. Remember the Castle Day strategy when you had these castles, right? Or these like Israel, right? You had the wall across. And you had to starve them out. So you had to completely surround the city, turn off all the water, turn off all the power, stop all the transport of food, and just wait till they died. That's what Putin is doing. A lot of people don't realize that. They're thinking, you know, this is a bad war. No, no, no. This is, believe, believe it or not, this is not a bad war. This is a strategic conceptual idea on how to bring the Ukraine to its knees. He could have destroyed that country in a week. Certainly. It's like we did back I think he, I think he's somewhat of a riverboat gambler because he's he introduced <laughs> very early on the idea that that he might use nuclear weapons. Right. Uh, I, I think he realizes as does practically everybody in the world today if he uses nuclear weapons, that's going to that's going to change into something that's going to make a whole different animal. Oh yeah, it's yeah, and it's it's going to happen in minutes. <laughs> minutes, you get rockets coming, you know, nuclear weapons coming across from you know. Remember Russia? You know, Putin was talking about I have this supersonic nuclear, you know, that I can deliver to the United States in you know ten minutes or that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, he starts. My, he starts my that. With that is, my problem with that is God only knows what we have. You know, in many right. cases, well, that's uh, true. And and but, that's not that's not where we want to be by any means. No, certainly, absolutely but, not. But uh, that's one of the reasons uh, that that people are being very careful with that that situation now because they do not want to see the introduction of nuclear weapons. And of course, and I, I don't, don't think I really don't think he has any intention of new, using nuclear weapons. No, but, you know, if you're if you're sitting at the poker table and you got a pair and you think the guy next to you might have three aces, you might yep. want to bluff him a little bit. 
Exactly. That's what this is. It's, and I think it is. I think it, it, the, the only way it can come to an, I think the only way it can come to a true nuclear World War III nuclear environment is you got to have a lot more than one country or two countries involved in this battle. It's got, it's got to be something affecting the world. Anyway, so David, our time's up. I appreciate you being on the podcast. Um, I love your brother. I love your service. Uh, I always, always thank my fellow brothers in arms. And we've been through a lot, not together, but we have definitely been through a lot as it relates to saving our country and the freedoms. And I want to continue to do that. I, I don't think I, I don't want to fail our country just because I'm no longer active duty military. And this is what I consider a good way for us as veterans to get the words out uh, about how we feel about our country and what's going on in the world. And maybe, you know, maybe we can change enough minds and they can listen to us, um, you know, even if it's the 18 year old and go, I never thought about the world that way. I never thought about the military that way. That's what the goal is, is to, to hopefully, I, I want to flush the communism mind of these kids and get them back to reality and understand that, you know, uh, what, what they're being fed is, is just pure evil, you know, and a lot of them don't realize, realize a lot of, take Antifa, for instance, if for whatever reason, this country ends up being communist and the, we have a communist dictator. He's going to take every one of those Antifa people out. They instantly overnight become a threat to him or her or whoever it is, because Antifa is against the government. And these people don't understand that. They're like, you're doing this, and then you're going to create this environment where the communists and these people become dictators, and they're, they're going to kill every freaking one of you. It's been proven over and over again. Um, you know, Stalin took out easily 40% of everybody in the government when he took over. We when I say take out, I mean, the majority of them were killed. He Some was of them also were directly responsible for the, for the elimination of about 20 million people. Yes, sir. Absolutely. 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 So, well, thank you again uh, very much for coming on the podcast. I'll get this out there and, and get it posted and, um, hopefully we'll get some awesome people that can learn a little bit more about not just veterans, but again, about our situation and how we feel about it. So have a wonderful, wonderful day. And I and will you, talk to and you And thank soon. you for your service. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Have a great day and we'll talk to you later. Thank you. There may be a day when the veterans in this country will have to stand up 10 million strong. And hopefully that will never happen. Hopefully the American people can do the right thing, select the right people, and get our government back. Specifically, become part of the Convention of States, where the states can come together and put what is missing in the Constitution to hold the government responsible to the people. It is a huge swamp. It is pure communism 
that is happening in our government. And veterans are standing up. They're speaking out just like the great patriot, Lieutenant Colonel David Ornsby. Veterans Week is here for this reason. So you can hear how the veterans actually feel about the country that we have fought for and what is going on. So continue to listen. The next few days, I'm going to carry on Veterans Week. Got a few more veterans that I want to get on the show so you can have a feeling of how we see things and hopefully we will not have to stand up and correct this country, if you know what I mean. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Share it far and wide. This is The Gunny, out.